Before we get into the show, let me quickly tell you about a new podcast I've discovered. Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. What's so exciting for me is that this show is hosted by husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, who are fellow Manx. Yeah, they are fellow Mancunians. We are from the same city. And Leanne and I realized we actually at one point lived in the exact same area. What a small world. So in their podcast, Al and Leanne are dispelling myths, imparting wisdom, and answering all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Leanne's a business psychologist, and Al has led and owned multiple businesses over the past 20 years. Together, they blend theory and practice to help business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. Now, as a copywriter who loves figuring out what makes people tick and what makes them buy, I really enjoyed their episode with Phil Agnew. It's called What Makes Your Team Say Yes? Exploring the Psychology of Influence. Go check it out. Listen to Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture wherever you get your podcasts. Fear. Fear was the reason that in 2018, I was interviewing for traditional nine-to-five jobs, even though I wanted to start my own business but I had low self-esteem and little confidence that anyone would actually pay me to write. So I carried on scouring job boards until I found a communications role that sounded like it was meant for me. And it paid almost double what I was earning working for a local charity. Within days of applying, I got an interview. I prepped so hard that I even memorized the organization's missions, values and goals. And I walked into that interview with an entire folder of writing samples. I was ready. Now, the interview was divided into two parts, a question and answer style interview with three different department heads and then a writing test. The first part went amazingly. I knew they were impressed. I was confident that if I just aced the test, the job would be mine, my income would be doubled, there'd be no more commuting between cities and I'd be able to pick up my son from nursery every day and read him a bedtime story every night. This job would change my life. All I had to do was ace this writing test. I sat in front of that computer, trying not to cave into the pressure of knowing that this one test could change everything. And then I panicked. I wanted this job so badly that I started to overthink every question and couldn't even understand what I needed to do. When I left the interview, I was trying not to cry. There was no doubt in my mind that I'd failed the writing test, even though I was a writer. After they formally rejected me and told me what I already knew about my performance, I added the interviewers on LinkedIn because hashtag networking. One of them responded to my message. Hi, man. I don't know whether you requested any feedback. My view was that your interview was excellent, but your written exercise wasn't quite at the level we were looking for. Oh, the shame. Four years later, I still feel embarrassment at the thought of those interviewers reading my LinkedIn posts, watching me grow my copywriting business. Part of me thinks they probably think I'm a complete fraud who knows nothing about her industry. There's nothing quite like failing in your own field. That feeling of failing in the thing you're supposed to be great at is something Claire Pelletro knows all about. I was devastated, absolutely humiliated. Not only that I had been fired, but that like this was all based on the one thing that I did in the business that like nobody else was really doing. So it was horrifying. On today's show, I'm speaking to Claire Pelletro, Facebook, Instagram, and conversion optimization expert and the host of the Get Paid podcast about how one mistake got her fired, but then freed her up to build the thriving business she has today. The the mistake maybe had been like brought to my attention on a Monday, and I think this was a Wednesday. And so I, I said the night before this, I said to a friend, I wish she would just fire me because I'm never going to leave. But I never thought she would. Welcome to Mistakes That Made Me, the podcast that asks extraordinary business owners to share their biggest business mistake 
so you know what not to do on your road to success. My name's Iman Ismail, and I'm an email strategist and copywriter for online business owners and e-commerce brands. I'm a podcast lover, a pizza binger, a proud mama of two, and I have this radical idea that if maybe us business owners were a little less guarded and a lot more open about the mistakes we've made, we could help each other grow a business that brings us more joy and less regret. Hey Claire, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am so excited, one, to be here as a guest, but two, to actually hear your podcast. I have been waiting for a long time, and I'm just so excited that the wait is almost over. It's almost over. The number of people who are like, can't wait to hear your podcast, or like, give me something, give me some details. I'm like, not yet. Not yet. So as we're recording, not very many people know even like the name, the the what it's about, what's happening. So yeah, I'm super excited to get this out in the world for you to listen to it and all the guests to listen. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. It is. Thank you so much for being here. Well, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am known for teaching people how to run Facebook and Instagram ads without tearing your hair out in the process. I have been doing this for about eight years. And now, like just as the natural progression of my work, we've also expanded. We, I say me and my very small team, we've expanded to helping people with like conversion optimization in general, because just putting out the ad is really only the beginning. Then there's everything that happens once someone interacts with your ad, takes the next step with you. There's a long path before somebody becomes a buyer. So we want to shorten that path for people and really help them like build relationships with these new subscribers and these people that they're coming from ads so that they are likely to buy soon. And this is a change of direction for you, right? This is and this is quite recent. So we're talking about the get paid mastermind here Mm -hmm. and it's still all very new. So what made you kind of change direction and start mentoring and coaching people in that way? Sure. So in the beginning of 2021, I launched a program called the Lead Lab. And the Lead Lab was just Facebook ad focus, Facebook ad plus like a very, very brief funnel, just in an attempt to basically get paid to grow your list, right? Make some or all of your ads spent back from your new subscribers, getting them to buy like a small product. And it was like almost everyone in the program needed help beyond that. Because we worked on their sign-up page. We worked on the sales page for their, just, you know, for their small product. We looked at their emails and things. But but everything really needed to go beyond that. We needed to really work on the their launches, their messaging mm-hmm. in their launches, their emails, the frequency of emails, the why don't you get to the point and actually ask for the sale part of the emails. What we kept seeing is that people just, there was so much trepidation around really saying, hey, here is the value of what I offer and here's why you should get in now, right? Mm -hmm. And without that, it doesn't matter how cheap your Facebook ad leads are if you can't turn them into buyers in a launch, uh, if you can't get them on a webinar, if you can't get them to book calls with you, if that's what you do, you know, one-on-one work, things like that. So Also in 2021, there were big changes with Facebook ads. I mean, it's like there have been changes every year since I got into this business. But the biggest change was iOS 14 made it so that tracking became a huge problem. Types of ads that had gotten very popular, which was like just ads for these really low price products, they stopped working almost overnight. Oh, and the other thing was the whistleblower of last year. I just kept getting on these calls with my students and giving them the worst news. Like, this is Facebook. This is the landscape of Facebook ads now. The evergreen funnel that you paid $10,000 to learn how to set up, it might break even with ads. And you're in good shape if it does. But, like, it's not going to get you the 20K months just from ads that you were hoping for. So I was giving this bad news, but I can't hold back. I'm on, like, you know me. This is, I'm just like, you know, straight as an arrow. So I mean, I stopped selling. I stopped selling the lead lab, even though it was an evergreen program, because 
I hated just giving people this terrible news all the time. And so when I took a look around at like, well, what else could I do? If it if it's not all Facebook ad focused, what could it be? And that's where I saw the need for, you know, people wanted, they wanted more eyeballs on their work, but they also didn't understand what it would take to then convert them. And so this is where we decided to, okay, we're going to stop enrolling the lead lab. We're going to switch over to Get Paid Marketing, which we launched as Get Paid Mastermind. We have since like tweaked the name. And that has been like a really interesting experience. It is a higher price. It brings in a different kind of business owner. And we're seeing a lot of success for the people who are in it, which feels so much better than constantly giving terrible news. I love how honest you are with yourself. And I love the fact that you actually just stopped and thought, well, what can I change? I'm not happy with what's happening. What can I do about it? I want to move on to your podcast because you have an amazing podcast called The Get Paid Podcast, on which I was a guest on episode 159. Iman Ismail, welcome to the Get Paid Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. As you know, I I would love to know how it came about. How did it start for you? Because you focus on asking anyone who's on your show and you have some big names on your show, how they get paid, which I imagine is slightly terrifying sometimes. Like we're talking like a Rachel Rogers, who I know you're quite friendly with actually, so maybe it's not so terrifying, (laughs) but that would terrify me. I I can't even think of all the other big names that you've had on but you've had loads of people on there so tell me how it came about and and how you came up with that theme well it's funny because just before people go like looking in the the archives for an episode with like Marie Forleo or Amy Porterfield you're not going to find those because I don't I I have specifically not tried to ask the kind of celebrity entrepreneurs to be on the show because and this is just an assumption of mine that they won't share in the way that I want them to share, you know, like, how much do you pay yourself? And I get that when you are at a certain, even just like take-home pay level, it can be dangerous. It can actually be dangerous to tell people like how much you pay yourself. So I get it. So the podcast came about because when I was just like starting out in, in in my business, which is the same business that I have now, I've always done Facebook and Instagram ads. Well, at the beginning, it was just Facebook. And I had a wedding to pay for. My husband was like mostly covering our bills and things. And I just, I was like searching for how to get clients. And I would find these blog posts, but nothing was really actionable, right? And I just was like, I just need somebody to start the pay your rent podcast, like literally how to pay your rent right? Because I, I was renting at the time. And at the same time, this was like the rise of the Facebook ads that talked about making six figures. I started my business in 2014, but this must have been around 2015, where I just see all these ads that are about, you know, how to make six figures in six minutes or blah, blah, blah. And I was just so curious about what the business model was that allowed someone to make $100,000 because what I was doing was maybe making me two or $3,000 a month. And then maybe I, like my very first launch, I made $5,000, but that is all a very long way off from $100,000. So I wanted to know how many people do you have to have on your list for this? How much are the things that you're selling? What is the deliver what does the delivery look like if you if you're selling a $2000 offer what do people get mostly because I just wanted ideas for myself. Mm-hmm. And so in June 2015 I launched this podcast. I went to a conference in May and I was telling some people that I met who became really good friends, you know, this is what I'm thinking of. They loved it. So some of them offered to come on the show couple other people who had been clients of mine who liked the idea. I just reached out to them. And and from the very beginning, I was like, so how much money do you make? And how do you do it? What is the offer? What's the list size? What are your expenses? How much are you spending on ads? And instead of the pay your rent podcast, I did decide to go with the get paid podcast because I just kept asking, how do you get paid? I love it. And the fact that you just go so deeply into 
not just how people get paid, but also how much of that money they actually take home. Like that's huge. And it, it opened my eyes up to a lot of things as well. And what you mentioned about it potentially just being dangerous for like huge names and like celebrity entrepreneurs to disclose their figures that never occurred to me until you had Rachel Rogers on the show and then you were like so how much do you make and then she was like yeah I can't even say because it's just like silly figures now and I'm worried about my safety I have to be serious I was like what firstly Rachel Rogers making the money Mm -hmm. (laughs) secondly Wow. And that actually made me think, like, clearly I'm not on Rachel Rogers level. But it did make me think a little more carefully about how much I share because um, I am quite open and transparent because I think it's helpful to be. But then also that made me think, OK, maybe you shouldn't be so transparent all the time. Uh, so, yeah, there is a bit of that just give and take and uh, considering mm-hmm. considering things I've never considered before. Yeah. But yeah. I I have I heard Nikayla from Side Hustle Pro, which is a great show. She once mm-hmm. said, "Like where I come from, you don't talk about how much you make." And I have been I have been pitching her to be on the show, and it will happen eventually. But I had to go in with the pitch saying, "Listen, I know that this is a hard line for you, and I will not cross it." There are some people who have agreed to come on the show, but not disclose even how much revenue they make. And I typically make them explain why. Um, And there have been, you know, like a variety of reasons. But a guest on my show was also like, listen, we have family. I want to say it was Guatemala. We have family in Guatemala. It is not safe for me to talk about how much I make publicly. And I was like, oh, well, me and my privilege over here, just like constantly talking about numbers. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's, it's great for people who, it's great when somebody is able to share those numbers because I think it has really been eye-opening for people. And I also respect those who are not willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you that it was, always has been really hard for me to kind of talk about numbers. And I do it despite it feeling hard and having that resistance mm-hmm. because I think it's, I think it's important for me to, I would have loved when I was starting out to have seen someone who looked like me talking about what is possible. Um, But, there's a huge part of me that doesn't like to talk about it because first of all from oh my god there are just so many different aspects and like elements to this but the first one is almost shame shame about making money I'm still grappling with that and there's always been especially because I came out of the charity sector to start my own business leaving the charity sector there was a conversation let me not mention any names but there was a conversation about it being um money related like me leaving the sector because of money and I'm like you're damn right it's because of money and first of all it was because of um my son I've just not been able to see him as much as I wanted to with the job that I had at the time and secondly you're damn right it's because of money I'm not being paid what I think I should be being paid and I can't live like this I need to go make more money for me, for my family as well. And so I've always felt like there is no shame in in wanting to make more money. And I think that's something as well. Like the idea that there's shame in wanting money because that makes you greedy and that makes you, you know, worldly coming from a faith background. That makes you worldly. Mm. You're too, you want too much of of this world, right? So it was, it, it was a lot, but I will say that a lot of people messaged me after my interview with you and were grateful that I opened up and talked about numbers and it was also just a great opportunity for me because since then off the top of my head I know I got a client from that podcast episode don't know if I ever told you this I got a client I got another podcast interview and I just got invited to speak at an international conference as well wow yes thank you Claire it was well worth it oh that means a lot Okay, well, let's move on to why you're here. Great. I'm super excited to to talk to you about this. Claire, what is the mistake that made you? Well, I made a pretty massive mistake with my boss's Facebook ad campaigns, which got me fired. Okay, let's go backwards. Tell us a little bit about the job that you're in, the role that you're in, and, and, and how... It got to that point. So 
I was hired in 2013 by Laura Roder. Laura Roder is the co-founder of B-School. She had her own info product business, and then she eventually launched Meet Edgar, the social media marketing tool. She has since sold that and now does a different tech tool called Paperbell. But I was hired in 2013 when Laura had stepped away from B-School and was now just focusing 100% in her own info product business. So she hired me to write for the blog, to do analytics stuff, and to run their Facebook ads. And this was like my introduction to the world of online business. I had previously been in the like startup scene with my husband, my then boyfriend, now husband's startup And so, like, I didn't know that you could be a business owner if you weren't a developer or like didn't know you could be a business owner online if you weren't a coder that could build an app, you know. So I join Laura's team uh, a year in. I get an incredible performance review. Really, really good. And one month later, Laura has discovered that I have been pouring money into an ad campaign that was getting us the best cost per signup, cost per like free, you know, email subscriber, right? But that it was not converting to the people who were like taking the dollar trial of the membership at the time. There was another campaign that was doing that at a higher rate. At the time, I mean, like, here's me trying to put a little bit, trying to take some of the responsibility off me, even though I really take most of it. At the time, being able to track that was very difficult, but it was doable. It was possible and I had missed it. And here she was about to transition the business to a SaaS business model. And she sees that her like one data person, and that was the one area in my performance review that it was like, okay, we do need you to keep getting stronger in this area. It's like, you know, we're collecting the data, but we're not really analyzing, like we're not doing anything with it. So actually, at the time, I'm literally talking to a data analysis guy who can come in and kind of like help me figure out tracking a lot better. But she realizes just based on this one, this is like literally one Facebook ad mistake that I am not the right person to sit at the head of marketing in her new company because a SaaS software as a service is all about data. It's all about those numbers. And it just wasn't my strong suit. And so she pointed that out. And then I think I tried to fix the mistake somehow. And just literally the one thing I proposed to her made her see like, okay, this is, this doesn't actually make sense. Her solution doesn't make sense. Or it's not the, the one that, that she would take. And so she was like, I'm sorry, I have to let you go. Oh no. Yeah. How did that conversation go? Well, actually, it's funny because she didn't say I have to let you go. It drew out to a point where I was like, okay, so can you just tell me if this is it? Because it's, she didn't, she clearly did not want to say the words or to make the decision, but she had, you know, she had, she knew that this is what she needed to do. And so, yeah, I think the next day was my last day. And I just like maybe finished up whatever I was working on. And, you know, I got off that call and I, I think I was already in tears, but I absolutely sobbed hysterically. I called my boyfriend. I called my mom. I did send one great email, which was to the massage therapist that I'd been trying to book with because at the time I was dealing with like terrible back pain, terrible muscle. I don't even know the word in English. The time we were living in Argentina. Sorry, I don't think I mentioned that. But I was like, hey, my schedule just opened up. So I I was about to get a massage pretty quickly. But otherwise, I was devastated. Absolutely humiliated. Not only that I had been fired, but that like this was all based on the one thing that I did in the business that like nobody else was really doing. So it was horrifying. Had you ever been fired before? Mm Mm-mm. Nope. I I thought there was a certain kind of person who got fired. And that certainly not me. I feel like that happened pretty fast. To go from having a great performance review to one month later being fired, that must have felt a bit like a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have since learned about things like performance enhancement plans. You know, my husband is also an entrepreneur, and I know that there was one guy that they gave chance after chance to, and eventually he was let go. But that wasn't the same as actually at one of these performance enhancement plans. They're much more measurable, right? But there was none of that. But, Iman, like, so that was in May. I just came up on like the eight-year anniversary of that, actually. And in January of that same year, so, you know, four, four and a half months prior, I had finally launched my blog about Facebook ads, an opt-in about Facebook ads, and I started guest posting, doing YouTube videos. So I had already started this business on the side, and I literally told a friend of mine, because it's not like this one call was when the mistake was brought up. The call, the the mistake maybe had been like brought to my attention on a Monday, and I think this was a Wednesday. And so I, I said the night before this, I said to a friend, I wish she would just fire me because I'm never going to leave. But I never thought she would. Quick thing. As an email expert, I've analyzed hundreds of emails and I see a lot of business owners making the same expensive mistakes in their email strategy and copy. I want to help you stay away from those mistakes, which is why I've created the email rules, my free 35 minute email class that teaches you how to boost your conversions and sales through email without making any costly mistakes. One business owner called Visma says it's the best email class she's ever taken. Thank you, Visma. Want to get your hands on it? It's totally free. Head over to emailcopycode.com slash email rules or hit the link in the show notes and you'll get instant access. Oh, and if you're not into writing your own emails and you'd rather me strategize and write your emails for you, get in touch. Let's make it happen. Okay, so you have just been fired and it sounds like, well, you just said you thought a certain type of person gets fired and that's not me. (laughs) So this is a huge shock and you are working under someone who is gaining popularity at this point. Was she was she the name that she is now? She was bigger than she is now because she has stepped back from wow. being the per- she's she hasn't been the personal brand since pretty much when I was working with her. Very smart. Mm-hmm. Very smart. She okay. didn't want to be the personal brand anymore, so she built two companies that allowed her to run companies without having to be the face of the marketing. So how did you feel once you'd been fired seeing her continue on? Like, like what would go through your mind when you would see her name pop up in places? You know, it's funny. Any podcast episode that somebody came out with that had her as a guest on it, I would listen to because she, she has a phenomenal brain. You know, I used to, when I would find myself like, afraid to do something or resistance, I would literally ask myself, what would Laura Roder do? Because she she had she was younger than me and like incredibly successful. And I just knew that there was so much that I did learn from her and that I, I could have continued to learn. The worst thing I think was that I felt like I couldn't reach out to or even be introduced to any of her contemporaries, any of her peers, because it would be like, oh, yeah, this is the person that Laura Roder fired. And guess what? If I had just sent, if I had sent 10 cold emails that month, I probably would have replaced my full-time income in a month. Because this was a time when People were really just kind of discovering Facebook ads. She was she was quite the like, you know, early adapter, ha- already having been using them for a few years. But I could have I could have gotten so many, so many clients so quickly and they wouldn't have cared. They would not have cared like why I was let go. But to me, it felt like the fact that it was so related to a Facebook ad like mistake. How could I possibly? How could I possibly reach out to anyone? So I didn't. Well, not long after, <laughs> you built a whole business on the same thing. So how do you get over that? How did you go from, I can't even show my face in front of these people to actually, this is what I'm good at and I'm going to continue on doing it? Well, one, I learned like such an important lesson about 
cost per lead versus cost per acquisition that like I was just never going to make that mistake again. And then just like literally making YouTube videos where I'm talking about this with a modicum of confidence at the time, that was enough. People would just be like, oh, she's the one. Let's go. She knows what she's talking about. Because Mm -hmm. again, there were just, there was a lot of mystery around Facebook ads and I was somebody who had experience and was like clearly capable just by the way I was able to communicate. So just like doing that and showing up as the authority in this thing, despite the fact that, you know, I didn't really want to say where I had just come from or what had happened or how, like, I didn't want to tell the story of how my business started in the beginning. And eventually that just kind of like overshadowed, like nobody cared, nobody asked where I had come from until finally people like want to know like the story. And so then I would start telling the story, but without naming her, naming the company. And just by saying like, hey, I made this mistake and I could also spin it. I could spin it because she was adjusting her business model. And so I think for a while I said laid off instead of fired with cause, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So yeah, that's what I did. That's what I did. Okay, we talked about the mistake, which was getting fired. How did this mistake make you? Well, I think it really comes down to what I just brought up, which is this this focus since then on the metric that I wasn't paying attention to when I was running Laura's campaigns versus the one that like everyone and their mother thinks is the important one. That's the one I was focusing on too, the cost per subscriber. Mm-hmm. And everyone just constantly harps on like, oh, well, you know, my cost per webinar sign up is this or my cost per lead is that or how come my friend's getting 50 cent leads and so-and-so is getting... But I... From from that time, I have made my people, the people who learn from me, I have made them focus on cost per acquisition and like ROAS, return on ad spend. Because if you sell a $50 product, you better be getting 50 cent leads because that might be the only way you can break even. But if you're selling a, a five, six, $10,000 thing, You should be paying for $20 leads left, right, and center so long as you know how to sell them. You know, I would say, Mon, that I've done a bad job at showing off the results that, like, my people have gotten, usually because I hear about it years later. 30 days after somebody buys my ads course, they're not usually reporting a 5x return on ad spend. Because a lot of those people need the funnel. They need the messaging help. They need other things. Brooke Castillo kind of changed that, I think, for me. Ooh, tell me about Brooke Castillo. (laughs) Yeah, so she came on my show in April, I think, 2019. And she basically told the world how amazing I am. And I didn't really know that she liked me like that. (laughs) The funny thing is I had run her ads like through a team. She, I was part of a big team that took on her ads at one point, but I didn't have direct contact with her. And so I didn't, I didn't know how she felt about me. So she comes on the show. She talks about how great I am, about how my Facebook ad course was like the thing that changed everything for her. And then she also drops some of like about $17 million revenue, which since then is like laughably small for her but that was the height at the time that made that episode basically go viral. So I had a big lift in sales after that because people are passing around this episode and then it was like, oh, wait, I've been meaning to get Facebook ad help. I'm going to go to whoever Brooke loves. And it was me. Wow. And I've actually listened to that episode and it was another really great interview. And as well as doing work for Brooke Castillo. You've also worked mm-hmm. with Jasmine Starr, who I am like, I fangirl Jasmine Starr so hard. Me too. <laughs> Me too. It's it's amazing. So so that changed a lot for you. And I'm guessing that brought in a lot of a lot of clients, a lot of customers, a lot of clout. You know, it's funny because when Jasmine became my client and she was fine with me telling people that, that gave me more confidence as well. Because when you can talk about your client's ROI, 
And I never like really shared numbers, but I would I remember doing a screenshot of her ad account and like looking at this is the return on ad spend and it's which is just like a percentage, right? It's not actual revenue. You know, it was it was fantastic. The funny thing about that is Jasmine found me from my blog. She reached out. This was 2017 when I like had a baby in 2016 and took a very long maternity leave and came back and Facebook ads were very different. And I felt like a total fraud. And so she, this is not the first time this happens. She finds me and I send her to my friend, Tony, who was, is still, he has a very successful ad agency. And I said like, okay, well maybe at the time I'm like moonlighting for Tony's agency as a subcontractor because I get to play in the ads manager with big, big spends, but I don't have the pressure of the actual client. Mm -hmm. So we do a call with her and we are hired. I am on the team. And not like I'm getting paid pennies, but compared to like, this was a big client for, for my friend, a big moneymaker. And I was there were some special deals there so that I would get a percentage of things because it was such a big client. But he basically let me talk about her as mm-hmm. if she was my direct client. And I think it was because, I mean, I'm not sure really why he never said anything about that. Maybe it was just because we have such a great relationship, but maybe it was because I was on, I brought in the account. I don't know, but it gave me a lot of confidence. I could use her as a case study. She's on my website. I've had issues with confidence, so many issues with confidence that little things like that were really important for me. That's amazing. And I think it's it's interesting because as soon as you said Jasmine Starr came to me and I passed her on to someone else, the first thought that I had was, oh my gosh, Jasmine Starr came to me, you passed her on to someone else. That's surprising. And then I thought, yeah, no, that's not surprising at all because I think I would have the urge to do something like that as well. I can only imagine, especially having just come off maternity leave and just knowing how rusty you feel, how your confidence at that point is at an all-time low. Can you imagine Jasmine Star popping into your inbox? Yeah, I think I'd be sent. I would have sent her elsewhere as well. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know that she was a big deal at all. So for me, it was just, you know, I remember somebody coming into my inbox, somebody who was a big deal for me, And me and Tony getting ready for the sales call and getting the email that day. Listen, we've decided to go with somebody else before we even got a chance. So I remember that. And I, you know, somebody who I respected so greatly and I couldn't believe that, you know, their person had reached out to me. But I didn't know Jasmine. So it was just like, I can't, I can't, I I can't come up with like another, I don't know how to price my services once again, Tony. So you, you handle that and I'll be like the little brain child Mm -hmm. behind it. It's a good partnership. You know, this reminds me of what happened to me very recently. So while I was on maternity leave, I put up a wait list and I had some, you know, names coming through and whatever else. And I'd I'd check and read it every so often. Here in, well, in the UK, the equivalent of Shark Tank Uh is Dragon's Den, right? So when I came back off maternity leave, I was looking through my wait list and there was a name that sounded really familiar. And I was like, why does this person sound so familiar? And it was her product as well that sounded super familiar. So I went on her website and realized that I'd been watching her on TV on on Dragon's Den, which is basically Shark Tank, just like two weeks before. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, no, no, no. So much time had passed from when she sent in the inquiry. And to be honest, I wouldn't have said yes anyway because I was in the throes of having a baby. But it was just, it was super, it was, it was, it was a sad moment. But I got in touch with her and she was like, you know, my priorities have changed slightly now because she was so busy after the, she got the oh. investment. And so she's super busy. Yeah. With everything that came after the show. And she was like, let me get back to you soon. So she's on my follow up list. But it's, it's that idea of, yeah, coming back from maternity leave and having, you know, great people coming to your inbox and, and dealing with all that, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that comes up. So what I'm hearing is you made this terrible mistake that was, you know, data related. I know you now and I know that data is your strength. So how this made you was it made you get really good, really good at data, really good at what you do. 
Is that right? It made me very good at these handful of data points. Like if you if you were to bring me into, you know, let's say ConvertKit calls me up and they're like, okay, here's our churn and here's our, you know, LTV and here's our, and I'd be like, uh, but if it's like, here's our ROAS on the ad spend, here's our cost per acquisition, here's our lifetime value from that, I'd be like, okay, dokie, let's go. Because yeah, now I'm, now that that is like my biggest focus. And and Facebook has made it harder and made it harder to track all of that. But I mean, this just makes me like want to brag, but all of the stuff that you have to do now in order to track ad results from Facebook ads, I've been doing with my clients since like 2016 because I never wanted, mm-hmm. I never wanted like that vague, did they come from an ad or didn't they? So I didn't really have to update anything. I just, it, it is still hard to get clients to do what I'm asking them to do because it's more work. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you talk a lot about you wanting to be a ballet dancer growing up and and then going into acting. And one of the things I've heard you say is that that world made it very difficult for you to deal with rejection. And that really stood out to me because I, my entire life, wanted to go into acting too. I did a lot of acting. And so that whole like auditioning and not getting <laughs> the part over and over again really resonates with me and makes me feel some kind of way when it comes to rejection. So I wondered how that plays into your business today and also how it played into you bouncing back from, you know, being fired. Oh, well, it took me a really long time to bounce back. A really long time. I mean, I it was not fast. I mean, I I would get like these handful of clients that really weren't a very good fit. I wouldn't say I bounced. I kind of like crawled out of that pit of despair, like bit by bit by bit. And then I would have like a a, a little win, like my the first launch of my course, and then I would make five thousand dollars and blow all of it as if it didn't like if it wasn't all my revenue for several months. But in terms of like rejection now, you know, I still shy away from it. I still shy away from putting myself out there, which I ought to. You know, I really, I ought to go pitch myself on bigger podcasts. I ought to pitch myself to speak at conferences. And there's an element of me now that it's just like, I can't be bothered. You know, like I would actually rather go the very, it's pretty low cost and also no stress method of like growing my podcast with ads than by going and trying to get on these big name podcasts and like, oh, what am I going to, you know, what's the pitch going to be? Yeah, but I, I definitely hold myself back in ways. I'm not sure I've gotten over that is really the answer. Yeah. Well, I do want to add that you said you can't be bothered, but there's a whole other side to this where you also have a family, you have two kids and a husband, so you have a lot going on. Can I just say that you've changed my life? Let me tell you how. You're so open about the support that you get with your family and your kids. So you have a cleaner, you openly, whenever you talk about your kids, you always say, my kids are in daycare um, or school. You have said you have family close by. You've set up like support systems to help you. And also you talk a lot mm. about going out with your husband a lot and, 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 and getting a babysitter. I had this thing where I could not allow myself to hire a babysitter. I don't know what I thought the babysitter was going to do to my kids, but <laughs> I couldn't do it. Then I heard you talking about just how life-changing it is. And I actually went out and got a babysitter so I've done this like a few times now and I feel wow like a different person there was one point where I thought I was losing my mind a little bit and I I now feel like a different person just having a few hours a week to myself has changed everything so thank you for being so open about the support systems you've created you mentioned at the beginning that when you first started your business you were making like two to three k a month do you mind sharing how much you're making now? I I pull out of the business 
$6,000 that goes into our family, like that's, and then 1000 for my retirement. And then it's been only 1500 into my own like money, but it, it had been up to nine, excuse me, it had been up to three. So about 10K, between eight and 10K is really what I'm paying myself. And that is after taxes. So all that take-home pay is, you know, it usually equals out because I might take a big chunk here or there. It usually equals about 100,000 after taxes. Excuse me. Yeah, after taxes. This year it will be more because I took out a big chunk to pay for this new house that we're closing on on Friday. So so this will be a year where I definitely pay myself more. But that also means I just have less less savings now in the bank. I mean, it's pretty amazing to me to hear you say that. Having just heard you say about Laura, when you were working under Laura, I wish she would just fire me because it sounds like firing you was the best thing she could have done for you. <laughs> oh my God, it was. I never would have left that job. It was such a great job. It was completely remote. It was flexible. The team was amazing. None of those, this like toxic bullshit. I've never known the toxic corporate, non-corporate anything. It was a dream job and I never would have left. So thank you, Laura. Uh, she gets a message from me every year or so where, I'm, where I just say that exactly. So she doesn't need to hear it again. <laughs> well, I was going to, I was just going to ask you, have you spoken to her since or have you spoken about the firing since? Oh, yeah. Just on the actual anniversary of it, I posted on Instagram that it was the anniversary and a story. And I tagged her really small, you know, really small. And she wrote back right away. This made my day. Thank you so much. It was so hard to do because I think I said like something like, you know, congratulating her on doing a on making a hard ass decision, you know, firing somebody who is pretty good but not great. And somebody who you like and you get along with. And, you know, like having to worry about being thought of as like a bitch, you know, it was, I mean, really, you got to listen to her podcast episodes on other people. She doesn't have a show. I'm just saying on other people's. Laura Roeder, R-O-E-D-E-R. She's got a great brain. I will, actually. She came up on my, um, you know, Apple podcast thing recently because she did an interview with Nathan Barry at ConvertKit, mm -hmm. uh, Barry, sorry, Nathan Barry at ConvertKit um, for his podcast. It's a really good podcast. And yeah, I immediately thought of you and was like, ah, I'm going to have to listen to this episode because I've never heard her speak. Oh God. I might have to find something and send to you just like some of my favorites. Please do. Please do. Have you ever fired anyone? Yes. Oof. How did that go? It was really hard. It was really hard. And it was kind of mutual, but kind of not. We knew each other for a really long time. And so that was hard. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that sounds it. Okay, what did you learn from all of this? And what do you want others to learn from your experience? Nobody is paying attention. Nobody cares that you were fired or that you made a mistake. Everybody, if you are showing your value, showing what you know, showing your authority, showing that you are skilled, that is what people are paying attention to. And if they continue to pay attention to you, it's because of that. It's certainly not because of like the mistakes in your past. So it's so hard in the moment. Anything humiliating, any kind of mistake, it's so hard but nobody's paying attention. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Claire. And, and for talking about this, it's also been amazing to watch how, how much you just own this story, how when you talk about it now, there is no shame and there is no humiliation. And I love the way that you've just taken control of it. It's inspiring. It wasn't always that what? way. That's all I'll say. It wasn't always that way. Yeah, I can imagine that that took a lot of work. I can imagine. But I think, I mean, I'm on your newsletter, so I got the email where you were talking about the anniversary and just hearing you share 
the story like that, it it makes us on the other side feel like it's okay to make mistakes. And also it's okay to share your mistakes. It humanizes you. And, you know, people want to hear about your lows as well as your highs. Hence this podcast as well. Because I really, I really do believe that mistakes are just lessons to be learned and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where can people find you if they want to stay connected? The best place is going to be over on the podcast. If you search Get Paid Claire, that's going to be the easiest way to find the Get Paid Podcast on whatever your podcast app is. I am very rarely on again, off again with Instagram. So I wouldn't even bother there. But then you could also come over to my site, ClarePels.com. Especially if you're interested in Facebook ad, Instagram ad stuff. Thank you so much, Claire. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you. And I am so grateful that you said yes to being here. Oh, I I feel honored that you asked. Thank you so much. For me, the standout moment of this conversation was when Claire admitted, I never would have left that job. If Laura Roder had not fired Claire, Claire would probably still be working for her today. It just goes to show that sometimes we need a little push or shove to help us do the things we're too afraid to. It makes me want to ask you, how is fear of failure, discomfort and risk holding you back in your business? At the very heart of Claire's story is the reason I started this podcast in the first place. Sometimes your biggest blessing comes in the form of your biggest mistake. You're listening to Mistakes That Made Me. I'm Iman Ismail. And if you love this episode, take a screenshot, post it on Instagram and tell everyone you know that this is the podcast to listen to. And tag me at Iman Copico so we can say hi and so I can share your post. You can find the links to everything I've mentioned today in the show notes. Next time on Mistakes That Made Me. I was just being trampled over, walked over, left and right from family expectations like intermediate family like parents expectations from colleagues from supervisors I was just being trampled over left and right and it just was it was a horrible situation 